Pump rocket drugs? More like house hunters in a midlife crisis. We watched Ordinary World. We are the film fellas. We watch random movies that you love, hate, or have never heard of, and then we talk about them. I'm Greg, and Nick is the official saucy boy of the group. I'm Nick, and I'm deemed the saucy boy of the group. I'm Caleb, and you guys don't really know much about this era of music. Please don't hurt me. I'm sorry. Let's get into it. Like I said, we are the film fellas. This week we are Sans Robbie. He was called away on a secret CIA mission, but um, oh shit, I wasn't supposed. You to sure say we that. were supposed to say anything? No, hey, uh, it was no, confidential. Never mind. We'll, for, we'll cut this out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. He's anyways. He's not uh, here. This week we watched Ordinary World, which was Nick's pick. Nick, tell us a little bit about this movie. All right, Ordinary World came out in 2016 and was directed by Lee Kirk, and it stars Billy Joe Armstrong, the lead singer of Green Day, Fred Armisen, Judy Greer. And Selma Blair. Yay. You got it. <laughs> and it has a Let's, lot of random stars. Yeah. yeah. Let's start off with our one-sentence summary. Nick, feel free to pick the order. All right. It will go Caleb, me, then the boy Greg. Oh, Super. good. I'm going first. Here's my one-sentence summary. You ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Say it with me. Use a coaster. coaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the movie. It's good. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, like, condom? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> oh, coaster. It's better than that. I thought you were just giving good advice to the people out in podcast yeah, land. I, I just not good advice. Just gaslight the people who haven't seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Nick? Here's my attempt at a one sentence summary. <clears throat> oh. Anyway, <laughs> a 40-year-old man wants to relive his punk dreams on his birthday. Fellow, Very nice. Greg, how you, what are you <laughs> My one-sentence summary is, getting old is complicated. Nice. <laughs> Not funny, it's just what this movie's about. <laughs> All right, now we're going to get into our synopsis, where we're going to go through the plot one by one and try to remember what happened, and shenanigans will ensue. Excelente. Spoilers on ahead, people. This movie came out just about four years ago in 2016. If you don't want it spoiled, now is your time to uh, skip ahead. The timestamps for our synopsis will be in the description of whatever podcasting tool you're listening to. All right. So the movie starts off very nicely with sort of like a bar concert. And we see our main boy, Perry, played by Billy. And he's jamming out with his band. He's got his old bandmates. Fred Armisen has Gary, other two guys. And they're sitting on a back couch doing the interview. And they're like real, real punk boys, real, real having fun in the living their dream. And then Perry wakes up and he's in his nice little suburban home. And it's garbage day. And oh, no, boy forgot to put out the trash. Apparently, it's the second week in a row. I've had that happen. It's not fun. But it's Perry's birthday. So he wants to get a pass. His wife doesn't remember it's his birthday. Neither does his daughter. And he feels really hurt by that. So he has to go pick up his daughter's guitar because she has a talent show. And apparently the talent show is what's special today. As he asks all his family members, hey, is there something special going on today? No one knows it's his birthday. A darn shame. Dang. Every year of my life. <clears throat> Fellas. <laughs> 
So his wife is a public defender and she's on her way out to work before he takes his daughter Salome to school and she gives him two bits of instructions. One, pick up the guitar from the guitar store. I don't know where you buy guitars. And two, his in-laws are coming in to, to watch the talent show and he has to use his lunch break to come back to the house and let them into the house. And so his wife leaves. Her name is Karen, I believe. So Karen leaves. And and Perry and Salome, they walk off to school and they pass their, uh, that's not important. So they're walking to school and Salome is like, hey, dad, what do you do? And Perry says, hmm, well, I don't know, why do, you, why do you ask? And Salome says, well, I'm doing a, it's career day and I'm supposed to talk about you and what you do. And he's like, I'll just say I'm in a band. We're, we're on a temporary hiatus. So technically I am in a band. And she's like, all right. She goes off to school and Perry gets sort of cornered by these well-meaning dads who want to take him into their group where they, they go, they hang out, they play poker. They, they do dad stuff. And he's like, no, nah, that's not my speed. And he goes to the guitar store, picks up, Salome's guitar, and then he goes off to work where he's only a half hour late, which I suppose is good for him. We find that he's like an employee slash owner of this hardware store with his brother that they've inherited from their father, and he gets there late. And his brother Jake is saying like, well, you, you never hear on time. It seems like you don't really care. And Perry says, well, I'm just having a rough day of it. You know, it's my birthday and all. And and Jake says, all right, well, here's what we'll do. I'll give you $1,000. And why don't you just take the day off, blow off some steam. You obviously need to get your head straight. So Perry walks off with $1,000 in pocket, fellas. So he's like, man, what am I going to do for my birthday? You know what? I'm going to call up all my friends from my old band and try to have a party. So he gets on the subway and goes across town and he goes to this fancy hotel and he's like, hey, how much are the rooms here? And they're like, well, uh, you know, some of our more modestly priced rooms. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how much is a suite? So he gets the presidential suite, which is the only suite available. And he's like, sweet, I'll take it. And he calls up all of his old bandmates. He's like, hey, I'm having this party. Come hang out with me for my birthday but everything's going to voicemail. And he's just kind of walking around the suite like, what's going on? And eventually he gets a knock at the door and it's some of his bandmates and some lady he doesn't know, but he's like, hooray, let's party and have a good time. And they're like, well, we brought you this stripper. So sit down and enjoy this stripper and these six beers for this whole party. <laughs> and <laughs> they, hand them, they hand out the beers and everyone's putting the beers down on the on the coffee table and he's like ah could we just use a coaster you know it's, there's rings all over my table at home because my kid never uses a coaster can we just can we just use the coaster and during this he gets a call from his wife and he's like hey baby what's going on said, did you remember to let my parents in they're at they're at the house right now you need to go let them in and he's like oh crap uh i'll be back guys uh you guys stay here have a good time with the room don't drink this thousand dollar bottle of scotch <laughs> and uh i'll be back fellas so Perry runs home, lets his in-laws in, and the whole time he's just sort of getting ber berated by his um, father-in-law, Walt, about how he's not the best person for his daughter. His playhouse he built for Salome out front is sort of garbage. And he keeps going, nah, it's okay. He just didn't put his heart into it. And then the mother-in-law tries to be supportive, but is also just throwing salt on that very open wound. Like, it, not everyone's good at putting their heart into things. And he used to be a musician, so that must have stung like a wet towel. World, you wet towel <laughs> in a locker room. Boys being boys. 
Perry has to go get the guitar for Salome as his in-laws bring it up, and he's like, oh, he lost it, which his wife told him not to do. He did lose it. What a silly boy. He runs, tries to go find the guitar. He ends up going to back to work because he knows oh, the guitar's at work. And he goes there. Jake's having a meeting. So he ends up going down to his office to go get the guitar they left in Jake's office. And the meeting turns out to be a meeting with Jake's lawyer. Now, Jake's lawyer is trying to give Jake a case to where the will when his dad died, Jake and Perry are brothers. To rebring that up, explaining this part is going to be a roller coaster. Here we go. <clears throat> Perry is technically a half owner of the company but a little less than Jake. And Jake has the opportunity in the will to buy out Perry at any point if Perry is not putting his all into the hardware store business. Now, Perry is not doing that. And he really doesn't want to. And he, it really sucks the life out of him. It's a nine to five job that he's not happy or passionate about. But they have an argument. Now, this argument is quite good. Apparently, Perry is a sunny, rainy day. But Jake thinks that he is a rainy, sunny day. Oh, God. Yeah, one way or the other. Either way. a sunny, rainy day, but not a rainy, sunny day. Yes. And apparently Jake talked to his wife behind his back about it, uh, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> so Perry's a little bit distraught that he might be losing his job and he'll have to find a new job. So he, he goes back to the hotel where this party has suddenly gotten out of control. But before he can get Until, back there's up a dog to the, in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a razor. Uh, but before he can get back up, he gets stopped in the lobby by a few folks. One is Christy, who we forgot to mention before, but it wasn't that important up until now. Christy is an old flame of his, and they used to be, you know, going steady together or whatnot, whatever rockers do. I don't know. I'm not that cool. And so they're catching up a bit. And it seems like she's really still into him. Then he looks up and sees, wow, Joan Jett is there. What is Joan Jett doing here? The Joan Jett. And she says really nonchalantly, oh, yeah, I'm her manager. Do you want to meet Joan Jett? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, hi, nice to meet you. My mother-in-law's name is Joan. And Joan Jett is like, cool. And then she walks off. And so Perry's going back up to the party, but then he gets stopped by the concierge. Who's like, mm, you better not be throwing a party up there. And he's like, what? No, I'm not throwing a party. You're throwing a party. And concierge says, oh, good. Because if you were throwing a party, we'd have to prosecute. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so, he's, oh, no, I'm not having a party. So he goes up and finds out that his little get together has turned into quite the party because there's a dog in the hall. There's a bunch of people there he doesn't know, friends of friends or strangers, basically. No one's using coasters. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. And uh, they've drank the $1,000 scotch. It's pandemonium. And so he's not feeling it. And he, so he goes and takes a nap in the presidential suite. And he falls asleep for several hours only to wake up and find that <gasps> Christy is there. And she sort of snuggles up to him and seems like she wants to get something going. And he's like, no, no, I'm not, I can't do this. I have a wife and two kids. But, you know, I did write a song. Do you want to hear the song? She's like, oh, I always love to hear your songs. By the way, here's two tickets to Joan Jett. And he starts to starts to sing the song called Ordinary World. Oh. Fellas, that's the name of the movie. Fellas. So he's playing his song and Gary, Fred Armisen, comes in and goes, hey, man, the band's going to play. And he's like, the band? That's dope. And he goes outside and there's suddenly way, 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 way more people. And the band's all set up. And Gary starts kind of razzing him. He's like, this guy's 40 years old and he used to be a rocker. Now he's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And he's like, all right, let's call out the lead singer. And he's like, but I'm the lead singer. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, we've actually been playing as the band this whole time. And he's like, what? You kicked me out of the band? He's like, no, man, you left. You had a kid and you left. We were about to go on tour. tour. We had this whole big thing set up and you took off and you kind of screwed us all. And he's like, man, I'm still punk rock. I'm going to throw this TV out the window. And then it doesn't. He tries to throw it out the window and it just bounces it back onto the floor. And they're playing and the guy's like screaming at him and he's like, I'm still cool. And he grabs his daughter's guitar and smashes it to prove that he's punk rock. And then the hotel manager and some cops show up and they break up the party and they're like, you were going to pay for all these damages. And they arrest him. And as he's sitting there, in comes one of the dads from the dad group who is a cop. And he's like, oh, man, you're involved in this. Let me see what I can do. And he gets him out of it. And he's like, you got to get to the talent show. And he's like, you're right. And they get in the police car and they take off and they use the sirens, probably illegally. But that's not what's important. He's got to get to his family. Fellas. He gets to this talent show right in time for Salome to play a song he taught her about being unsatisfied. And it was a success. And they go home. Perry ends up having to explain to his wife, Karen, about what happened today. And ooh, he's in the doghouse, mostly because he kept avoiding her calls all day because he wanted to relax and he felt like no one wanted to celebrate his birthday. He also spent a few thousand dollars on room service, a bottle of scotch, and a hotel room, which sounds like a good birthday party, but he didn't enjoy any of it. (laughs) Ha ha, he's getting older. And then Karen lays a truth bomb on him that it's the 16th today. And he goes, what? And she goes, yes, your birthday's on the 17th. And then he goes, whoa, but I thought, what what a twist. I thought, I I, I, uh, I thought the talent show was on my birthday and we talked about this and like, yeah, but they had to move it a day earlier because of PT meeting. And he's just like, oh, shit. And he sits in the dollhouse that his father-in-law ended up revamping and making it more, more of a dollhouse with heart in it. Yeah, more housey. And then the dad group comes by because they had to see if he's home again. And the guy's a cop and he sort of did a lot of property damage. That's not very good. And he's in the dollhouse and he decides, you know what? I will do poker night next time you do it because I am a dad now. I'm no longer a punk boy. And then he goes and has a talk with his father-in-law. Fellas. So he goes and talks with his father-in-law, but not before trying to patch things up with Salome. And he's like, hey, don't worry. You know, they work things out. They decide that he's going to officially leave the band that he was previously in. And he and Salome are going to join a band. It's really cute. And he goes and talks with his father-in-law and father-in-law is like, hey, here's what you got to do. You got to go up there, take your pillow and your blanket and be like, hey, honey, I understand you need space. I'm just going to sleep on the couch. And he says, oh, that's a good idea. And so he goes up and says, hey, honey, I'm just going to grab my pillow and blanket and I'm going to go sleep on the couch. And Karen says, my dad told you to say that, didn't he? And like, yeah. And she says, well, that's not going to work on me. Go on ahead and enjoy the couch. And so he does. And then a couple hours go by and Karen comes downstairs and visits him on the couch and they start to patch things up a little bit. And they uh, start the long process of making reparations. Then they decide to tango while watching House Hunters. And, And then the next day, Perry turns in his old guitar from the old band days and he trades it in for a new guitar for Salome and they play his old ditties on his birthday as they drive away to do birthday celebration things the end 
Hooray. The end. We did job, it. Us. Yay. <laughs> the reason I picked this movie is I saw the trailer back in high school when it was first coming out. And then I ended up watching it two years later and really enjoyed it. Now, I don't think this is like one of the best movies ever. But I liked how it had like a clear message behind it about growing up and having to put away your yesteryears. Now, not necessarily giving up your creativity, but evolving to have responsibilities in your life. So I wanted to share it with the fellas, mostly because of my own insecurities about being a little bit successful. Like, I'm going to the arts and hoping I get a little successful, but then having nothing afterward besides being a suburban dad. Honestly, not the worst life. No. The dream. But I like a sweet sugar mama, so that's cool. Dang straight. She's a public defender. And she's got really cool in-laws who give you nice pieces of advice and wisdom. They give you second chances. The whole package. She watches House Hunters. I don't know if they watch House Hunters International, but, you know, it's a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like marriage material to me. Yes. House Hunters, baby. So I wanted to first go into what we liked about the movie and then go into some of my talking points for this week's episode. Ooh, I was actually prepared a little bit this week. Ooh. <laughs> Good job, dude. How about that? Uh, Greg, why don't you go first? Okay. I like that it was just kind of a day in the life kind of story. While it was kind of a, a wandering aimless movie, it's really all in the details of it. Because it does start off with him very kind of unsatisfied, kind of pining for the older times back in the 90s when he was all young and punk rock and hanging out with his buddies. But I like by the end, he realizes that, no, he's not unsatisfied. He's really happy with the life he has and being a father. And even though his his future is a little uncertain because he just got fired by his brother, he is still like ready to face that. And the cast was really good. Like the cast surrounding the main guy is spectacular. Caleb. No, I'm right there with you. I think that we should probably... As a society of moviegoers, we should probably normalize movies that are just a little bit more mundane. I don't know, you know, movies don't always have to be about deeds of huge major consequence. Sometimes major consequence is just realizing that you love what you already have, and that's enough. But I'll tell you what I really like about this movie. Because I think that this movie could be categorized into the sort of, what I would call, deadbeat dad genre of movie which Mm. was very popular from my perspective in like the early 2000s from like the 2000 to 2010 and you know in standard deviations in either direction still a very popular (laughs) trope the deadbeat dad and how the deadbeat dad trope usually goes is that they're dropping responsibility left and right up until the very end where they do something where they like put in uh, a little bit of effort or do something very silly to get to the blank on time. Mm. So like, gotta get to my, gotta get to the dance recital. Gotta go to therapy on time. Gotta make it to my daughter's talent show on time. And that scene is like their big redemptive action. But what I like about this movie is that the movie doesn't end there. And my favorite part is in the sort of denouement at the end when he's making all these reparations and he has to actually do the hard work of talking things out and ironing things out with Salome individually and with his wife, because that is how you really sort of 
earn back that trust and rebuild that relationship with someone. It can't just be done with one deed of grandiose, like, oh, you know, you showed up to my baseball game. I guess you're not that bad. Yeah. And they really devote time to to those talks and conversations. And it shows us that he does want to change that about him. And he really does love his wife and he loves his daughter and the baby's a baby. And so, I mean, who doesn't love the baby? And <laughs> he did love that kid. Mm-hmm. Simon was Grab him kid. in the morning and <laughs> yeah, which by the way, not to poke holes in this movie, but like babies aren't always happy to see people after they're done with naps. Just oh, yes. as a, uh, yeah, but, but they are if it's Billy Joe Armstrong. It's true. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I agree with you to an extent, but I, I don't think he was really deadbeat. You know, I think he was mm-hmm. a little bit of a screw up. He was a little bit forgetful, but I don't think he actively went out of his way to be selfish or screw over the family. You know, I think he's just more like I said, oh, I forgot. He's a little uh, dreamy. You know, he's mm-hmm. like his daughter says at the end. You're not really here sometimes. That's why I think he's more redeemable than most of the dads and the other tropes. Yeah. Especially in the morning, how his daughter was actually happy to see him and that he wanted to engage and give her a cookie for breakfast to celebrate his day, even though he wasn't going to bring it up with him because he kept his emotions in. And it's hard going to a job you hate. First-hand experience. Ooh, I went, I was going to be a, a snowboard instructor. I got what, there. Really? Yes. For my my first year of college, my winter break, I went up to Tahoe be a snowboard instructor. I got the job. They didn't have enough kids because that was like the worst snow year in a long time. So they didn't have enough people going. So I basically became a daycare person, but I was the cleaning person and cleaning up after kids. It's a rough life. And I didn't (laughs) enjoy that because I went for a free season pass because I didn't have money, man. (laughs) I wanted to be able to snowboard. So I did that. And then I got one day out of the two months I worked there. It was rough. I made money though, and it was nice. And going there every day, it's quite draining because you have to clock in and you have to clock out and you can't just leave when you want to break. There are set ones, even though the place I was at got sued because they wouldn't give us them. Uh, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. No, I think cleaning after kids was uh, an episode on dirty jobs. So it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world. Totally. That's a uh, uh, the benchmark for a tough job. Any job can be tough. That is why they it's call it dirty, work, though. after all. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, altitude messes with their stomachs quite a bit. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so, Back to how this relates to Perry. My nice little tangent of a story. We're going to call that a little vignette for the road. <laughs> so being at a nine-to-five job you hate, sucks and then his only like happiness times are with his family or when he gets to play the guitar like even when he goes to bring salme to school beforehand in order to calm down from everyone forgetting his birthday he puts on his headphones and jams out a little bit in order to relive his glory days and being defeated every day and then having another thing happen to you like everyone forgetting your birthday sucks and he is 40 and we do age and having to leave stuff behind is a pain in the rear but My main talking point for this movie, my big boy, number one, everything will rain after this, is moving on whilst growing up. Now, he has to do this. I think the biggest aspect of this is 
he dreams about being a rock star every night. Like every time he closes his eyes, he goes back to him being on stage with the band. Mm-hmm. And the whole time we think that they're on a break. The band's on a break. He's waiting hiatus. for them to be done. A nice little, yes. <laughs> the hiatus. Where are you guys on again? We're on a hiatus. What? It's a fancy word for break. They're on a break. And the whole time, again, we think that it was a mutual decision. Turns out he wanted to do the break even when they got like a big record deal and a big tour deal because he had a family. Yeah, he found Isn't out he, a bad his thing. wife was pregnant. Mm-hmm. But like the band took it that way because he had to leave. And he took that as everyone just relax and stop and stop their lives for me. And he had to right realize their about, band is rising mm-hmm. and then be like, let's plateau it and like drop it down. That's not how it works. You have to commit to that. And he, he, the whole movie is basically about him realizing that he can't hold on to that stuff. It was his decision. And he has to come to terms with the reality of having responsibilities, like actual responsibilities in life. Do you guys have any like additions yeah. to that? Um, I think that is an actual part of this movie. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that that sort of, it doesn't necessarily contradict uh, my categorization of the deadbeat dad trope. I still think it has a place on the deadbeat dad spectrum, but you're all right. It does. There is. I feel deadbeat might be a little harsh. Yeah. There is a big difference. What's like a a sickly tune instead of deadbeat, you know? Yeah. Irresponsible. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there There is a difference between harry and other characters in the same trope in that he does care for what he has he just doesn't quite realize it yet which thinking back makes me like this movie more in retrospect because from a principle of the matter i want more movies like that and i think if we were to put a catchy name on what you described nick uh someone already beat us to it Shout out to Ben Platt, who has this song called Grow As We Go. And so, yeah, I think it's a subject that is visited kind of often in terms of like, you know, we have the coming of age sort of story. But this it's a fresh enough telling in that it is what it says on the label. It is rather ordinary being part of an ordinary world. And so part of the way through the movie, I was thinking like, hmm. This starts to feel intentional that the movie just sort of feels ordinary and that's okay. You can like your ordinary life because you have all these things and these people who do care about you that want to give you second chances. And so, and like yeah. I said, it's kind of just a day in his life. And I think that he had to kind of go through the reliving of his past to realize that, oh, he doesn't want that. Like he's, well, we're going to have a party. Uh, as soon as people show up, he gets real uptight. He's like, oh, we got to have a coaster. He's like, I don't really want a stripper. Yeah. Well, let's drink this fancy booze. Oh, no, we're not going to drink the fancy booze. I don't want to do that. Let's do shots of this $1,000 scotch. Let's, no, let's not do scotch. Hey, can we order <laughs> some room service for this party? Don't order room service. And he always takes a nap in the middle of his party. He kind of has to go through and see like, oh, this is not things I enjoy anymore. So that when it gets to the talent show and his daughter plays the song, unsatisfied and it just holds on his face and you can just see him running through the events of the day and his life and he's like oh i'm not unsatisfied i'm actually really happy with where i am and he just kind of needed that day to punch him in the face and be like yeah look dummy your life is pretty good Mm -hmm. yeah and 
doing a more direct part about responsibilities, I think they definitely bring it up exactly how parents have to be when Perry and his wife, Karen, have the talk about she needs to be mad, but also about how to be parents. How crazy like, that is. Yes. I'm getting older. Like, I'm just going to. This... Are you a parent, Nick? No, not yet. Maybe <laughs> oh, never. Nick be knocking Maybe, at yes. <laughs> oh, ooh. Ooh, oh, oh. I am the sauce. <laughs> anyway, I know nothing about the world. And I know people who've had kids at 18 and actually some at 16. I don't know how anyone is ever a good parent at all. It's a lot of guessing, man. It's so much like trying to give out information, but even you don't fully know. Like she says, we're just two people that met on the subway. And now we have these kids who are, we are parents for the rest of our lives. When they think, when they go off to college, they're going to think about us when all of these memories there's going to be about us and that's crazy and yeah that's that's kind of what growing up is you keep stumbling into these new roles that are expected of you and you just kind of got to make it happen and you can do it in your own way you don't have to be cookie cutter you know yeah it's like a jazz Still, like we're gonna play guitar together <laughs> him and his daughter you know we're not it doesn't have to be oh you need to play the violin so you can get into Carnegie Hall or whatever. He's like, no, you're going to, you like guitar. We're going to play guitar together. I'm going to sacrifice what I like to boost you up. But that doesn't mean we can't play together. We can't start our band and it'll be a good time. Actually, technically nowadays, you're more likely to get a job playing guitar than a violin in many theatrical productions because how music is evolving nowadays. Yeah. Is that because (laughs) there's not much violin or violin is super competitive or both? Both because violin is very saturated because there's a certain age where you get like arthritis later on. Uh, but until then you can work the entire time. And the people who have invested to be professional violinists need jobs. So everyone's going to go out for a job if they don't have one. Okay. But then they're not going to leave that job until a, like a show ends or something. But in like most of the modern things, um, electrical guitar and acoustic guitar are becoming more and more popular and prevalent in shows. And like stage shows or like sort of concerts or, Stage shows, most concerts are still continuing with um, classical orchestration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the brass. Speaking of music, Billy Joe Armstrong was in American Idiot on Broadway. And a fun fact about that is the stripper, Rebecca Naomi Jones, played the character What's Her Name? Really? Who's the main love interests, as well as the lead singer. Newt. He was played by Andrew Call, and he was an ensemble mm-hmm. member. Just, just little tidbits. And Billy Joe Armstrong, it was based on the Green Day music. And he'd go in and fill in. I saw a documentary on it. Ha ha. Me too. Accent snippet idea. of it. And then Greg yeah. reminded me it's a whole thing. So I then watched the whole thing. And it was really fun. Anyway, Ordinary World is a great song. I personally think that this is the best recording in the movie. He it's put just that him. on their Green Day album that came out that same time. Yeah. Revolution Radio. Yeah. Which I, I listened to it on the actual album. The recording from this movie seemed a lot more intimate as it's a small mm-hmm. moment of him both reliving his dreams, but also all the lyrics are super like intense to him about a world he has to leave behind again. Yeah. I, I think him singing that to Christy, someone he knew back in the day, really helped him realize, was one of the many things that helped him realize that, shit, I have to grow up now. <laughs> yeah what a pain 
What did everyone think of Billy Joe Armstrong's performance? As this was his first lead in a movie. Um, he does have like a pretty good schluppy sort of demeanor. Like, hey man, I must have forgot. And his sort of punk rocker vernacular, like awesome, referring to everyone as man. And that sort of laid back chill, like, hey, how you doing? Sort of energy serves him well. But as a personal preference, because I think that acting is pretty subjective, you know, it's whatever works for you and your experience. As a personal preference, he does stay on a certain tone of voice and intonation as he goes along, which is just something that you work on as you go from project to project. I thought he did pretty well for the part. What really hurt him is that he was surrounded by a lot of great actors. That's true. So it like showed the rough edges. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I mean, he has some really good scenes, like the scene where he's playing in the hotel room with Chrissy is, Mm -hmm. I know he's just playing the music, but he's also acting really good when his daughter is playing on stage and there's that tight shot on him. Like you can see his face change when he's thinking about all the different things and the way the music's affecting him. So he definitely has some great moments, but yeah, it's pretty clear that it's one of his first acting gigs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't help him that the likes of Judy Greer and Fred Armisen and Selma Blair are surrounding him and he has to act off of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it was like most evident to me when he goes to the hotel and the concierge is played by Brian Baumgartner. And, you know, he comes to the front desk and he says his first line and you go, oh, now there's a guy who's got some tactics. And so I think that is where I first started to see that rift happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, like, this is your first deal and it's still pretty solid. It's, it's not bad and it's all on personal preference. But I do think he acts best when he has a guitar in his hand. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did carry the movie. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. No, he did carry the movie. You're right. That's a good way of putting it. I think my favorite scene is the when he's playing the Christie. Just the intensity of when he like performs a song really showed. And when he writes a song, he always like goes in depth on why the lyrics are written that way. Like Good Riddance, When September Ends are songs that he was very passionate when he wrote them. And I, he is what this character is. But technically his career isn't over and is actually... Driving. Somehow more popular than ever. <laughs> Mostly because we're all inside listening to music constantly. <laughs> but also, he is aging, as we all are. And I think he wanted to be better than his performance was. He was very passionate about this project. Because it is, it's exactly him, but he just put the circumstances in a different area. Going on to him being better with the guitar, I think it's a comfort spot for him instead of being in front of the camera. Totally. Holding guitar, like he's performed many times on stage, constantly, TV shows, bunch of talk shows, and for he has years, yeah. For, for, yes, yeah. For honestly, my entire life. <laughs> but then but being fun. so close and intimate with the camera, without a guitar, without him singing something that he's practiced a thousand times, like maybe he did all the lines, but he has to, again with what Caleb said, he has to work off the actors. Then for me, the one that like really sort of brought him down was when he was talking with Jake in the basement about how he's a rainy, sunny day. Mm. I felt like in that moment, instead of like being fully distraught when he hears that, he tries to show it, but he's mostly just saying the jokes and trying to get the timing right on the cadence of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I do think other aspects he excels at, like being a dad, 
I thought he was amazing. Like coaster. Yeah, playing off the kids, he That's true. was really warm and vibrant as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think my favorite part of the movie, well, I did say, is the like the last 20 minutes when he's talking to all, everyone, but specifically when he's talking to Salome. I think that's just a really sweet conversation. And he does emulate this guy who was a has-been, but still sort of lives for the rock, but he's trying to be a, a good dad to his kids. I think he personifies that well. And yeah, playing off the kids, he really does feel like a person who's trying to be a good father to these kids, and he doesn't quite know how. That does shine through really well. He also has really good facial expressions, which I am what is known as an advocate fan of facial expressions. <laughs> you, do make, you do give really good face, Nick. Especially when, I believe the character's name was Ace, the guitar store salesman. He is mm. telling him a story about how he had dinner with his girlfriend, and it turns out his girlfriend's parents know Paul McCartney. And wow. Perry's face is just fully protruded lips, like totally zoning out, looking right at Ace as he tells a story. And it's one of the most spectacular faces. And I love Billy Joe Armstrong because he gives me hope. He has a weak chin. I have a weak chin. <laughs> and he's successful. Like, if you look at him walking down the street, if you didn't know Green Day or who he was before, you would take no second looks not hating on him. He looks like an ordinary gentleman. Is what you're saying. An ordinary guy. If he doesn't have his like punk rock hairstyle, and he has his hairstyle he has in this movie, you would really not notice him. And that gives me hope in life, Mm -hmm. because I'm also very ordinary. (laughs) Now I'm browner, but very ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) I have no experience on this, but I'm still entering adulthood, like real adulthood. I'm in the intermediate college phase. Ooh, ooh. Got the training wheels on. Yes. But trying to find friends later on in life, I'm starting to get scared that it's more difficult than I thought. Mostly because they do this whole scene about the dad club, and then he meets with the dads when he goes and gets Salme's guitar after getting fired. And he doesn't want to listen to them, but the dads explain how they don't really actually have stuff in common. It's just that they go to places with their kids, and that's the bond that they have is their kids do everything together. So in order to be there for their kids, they have to make the sacrifice of actually being friends with people that usually they wouldn't hang out with. You're right. Finding friends when you're an adult is a lot harder. You got to go through common interests. And sometimes that will be your kids. Sometimes it will be theater. Sometimes it will be music. Sometimes it will be games. You know, you just, you got to keep your hobbies and find people who enjoy the same kind of things. Did you guys... Get I liked us at the end when he gets kicked out of his band at the end. He finds out that that everyone is that they've been playing without him all this time. And he goes home and the dad group shows up and he basically swaps them in as his new band. He's going to be (laughs) the new friends. That's the new band he's going to play with, you know, play with in quotes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even if it's just poker and whatever dad things they're going to do. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's like, I'm going to swap out this group of friends who's no good for me for this group of friends that is going to be good for me. I was like how it was exactly three people. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And at the end... to have a cop on your side, apparently. (laughs) I mean, they know the penal code. They're like, actually, uh, this is a two-person sidewalk, so three is kind of like, you you shouldn't do that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know the law. I just follow it. (laughs) But I think it was... Dean, the police officer, he was saying at the end, like, hey, you guys want to join a duop group? We should do a duop group. (laughs) 
um, which is funnier if you're not watching this movie alone. If you're watching this movie alone, it's like, oh, that was cute. I don't know. It, it lands harder when it's on more ears. This movie is rather... There's not a lot of shine to it. There's not a lot of spectacle. No pizzazz. It is ordinary. ordinary? Yeah. I think that in the movie does its darndest to try and get you to think that about it. And I'm glad we had this conversation because if I were to watch this movie in its entirety all by itself, I think that I wouldn't really catch the merit of having something so ordinary. But I like that message of it's okay to like the ordinary because sometimes the ordinary is, is what you need. Yeah. Um, even their big cameo of Joan Jett she shows up and it is rather just sort of an ordinary thing where someone will be like, hey, I, I met Joan Jett the other day. And even Perry's reaction to it is something that an ordinary person would say. They're like, oh, hey, that's Joan Jett. Like, oh, I, cool. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law's name is Joan. Mm-hmm. I hate when movies have like, unless it's like supposed to be like Hunt for Wilder People where it has like super witty dialogue when people just out of nowhere like throw out like a, a witty like response to something it's not what you do in real life like if i met a celebrity i don't know if i want to run or just look at them from afar and be like oh that's cool if hmm. you truly do respect them you find that you freeze quite a bit mm-hmm. it's like that scene in community when pierce is bequeathing gifts upon them <laughs> oh. he's dying and he gets lavar burton for troy and he's like i told him a thousand times i never wanted to meet him <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted a signed picture. <laughs> it's true. It, sometimes meeting your heroes is the worst thing because it, it sort of tears apart that parasocial relationship that you have with them. Yeah. Which, um, speaking of parasocial relationships, that is sort of the thing that in our modern world with modern technology and modern conveniences, I think the more I look into the status of rock music and music that really just goes or slaps, as the kids say. The relationship between the musicians and their audience is getting a little healthier, I'd say, because, like, you know, the the rock stars of old, they're, like, the gods of rock. And so you put them on a pedestal like that, it's not always headed towards great things. And so I think... Little by little, we're starting to see more of our heroes as everyday people that can do some cool stuff and they have these gifts and they, these talents that they've worked really hard to culminate and master. And so I think that is a little bit healthier. Not that that has much to do with ordinary world other than, you know, sometimes... Our, them. Yeah. It's like Steven Tyler being a judge on American Idol. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got a job now. And uh, the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen, he was on Broadway saying things like, I actually never worked as hard as when I've worked right now because now I have to be here eight times a week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But imagine going to a show like that, just Bruce Springsteen on stage singing your songs. Yeah, it's wild. I saw it on the Tonys and it was good then. I mainly wanted to bring up that bit about like this movie, It Is Trying. And I really appreciate that Perry goes through the hard work of talking things out and still having those tough conversations, uh, which is a, a true redemption arc and not just getting to the talent show on time. Doing the, yeah, they're doing the one good thing. Yeah. yeah. Or like, there is you know, a lot of good, like, I know I messed up. 
here's how I intend to do better. And them saying like, yes, and I need my time to be mad, but I will, this is not like an unforgivable thing. We will be fine in the future. But, you know, there's a lot of good adult conversation and yeah, it a, feeling. It really it's not just yelling. Yes, healthy. Thank that. you. It's yeah. not just yelling. It's not just childish stuff. It's, yeah, very healthy mm-hmm. and adult. Yeah. It showed the max of being mature, even though, even though they acted immature earlier, that they are evolving as parents and as adults. Yeah. Fellas, I got a question for you. Yeah, what is it? Would you recommend this movie and under what circumstances? Uh, I guess guess Nick should ask us that, but (laughs) too bad, so sad. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. You can't take that from him. Uh, So I will go because it's Nick's pick. And so I'm the only one left. So I will say, yes, I would recommend this movie under the circumstance that I am doing this show and (laughs) I have this little platform. And I say, look, all of you out there who might be listening to this. If you're curious about this movie based on our conversation, I'd say give it a go. In my personal life, I can't think of a situation where it would come up very often because, like I said, it is an ordinary movie called Ordinary World. And you know what? That is just fine. And I respect this movie on principle because more movies need to be about small day in the life sort of things. And just a person realizing that what they really want is already right in front of them. And it's a nice presentation of that. There's not a lot of spectacle. It is all about the human condition. And that's art to me there, Bob. I agree. I would also recommend this movie. It's very comfortable. It was just a nice, easy watch. It had some good acting, some great scenes, a little bit of comedy, but it wasn't like a big bombastic action movie. It wasn't like a horror movie where you like your all your emotions are going like too far. It was just very like I was just sitting on my couch watching this movie, having a good time, not really being overtaxed, you know? It was it was very comforting and good. And uh, yeah, I like how there actually is the arc of him realizing that he is happy with his ordinary world. He is going to be better. His relationships uh, are strengthened, even though they're a little bit taxed. But definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. Again, like Caleb said, I don't know if it'll come up that often, but if it does, recommend. <laughs> yeah. I would like to say, I didn't quite mention this. For me, on a personal level, this movie does have some embarrassing scenes, like when he forgets to let the in-laws in and he's got the party people there and Fred Armisen in his ear, like, come on, man, it's a party. It's like, oh, this is so embarrassing. But it, it's it's good. It doesn't last too long, I'll say. So, but if you're Well, I wanted to bring this up. I didn't come up organically, but one of the first notes I have is, do they just show you hotel rooms now? Like before you rent them? That's true. Yeah, there is, <laughs> you could nitpick this movie like that if you wanted to. Yeah, it wasn't a nitpick so much as a silly observation. Yeah, I, you like, can if it's like the presidential suite, if it's yeah. not open. Oh, okay. That's fair. I was going to say, because like at the, in the very first scene with Salome, he like just closes the door and like two rooms across several feet down, he can tell she's not using a coaster. Gosh, darn it. He like (laughs) closes the door. And the first thing he's notices is, Ooh, Salome's not using a coaster. (laughs) Anyways, that's my Nick pick. (laughs) I would definitely recommend this movie again. If you're looking for like a, very fast paced, like a uh, extravagant movie. This isn't the movie for that. This is a recommendation for someone who just wants to relax, watch a story happen and find a little bit of meaning out of it. But if they don't, it's not like a bad watch. They're great actors, really good music. And it's fun. Fun little romp. 
And it has like the office cringe at some points, you know? Yeah. Like, like, ooh, like when Fred Armisen like orders a food and it's like, oh, don't do that. But he's already done it. And it's like, oh, (laughs) no. Like, oh, come on. There's hungry people here. (laughs) (laughs) So that was our conversation of Ordinary World. Next week is Caleb's pick. Caleb, what are we watching next week? Fellas, I'm very excited to not necessarily show you this movie because I haven't seen it. But next week we are watching... Pride and Prejudice, the oh. 2005 version with Kiera Knightley. Nice. So I say I haven't seen it because I've seen the BBC version with Colin Firth and others, but haven't seen the 2005 version all the way through. And you know what? It's time we did some romance on this show, gosh darn it. Yeah, I have been meaning to see Pride and Prejudice. I've never gotten around to it, so I'm glad you picked it. Yep. So tune in next week when four dudes talk about Pride and Prejudice. That's going to be a good one. (laughs) So please join us next week. Please give us a good rating on whatever podcast device you're listening to. Please follow us on all the social medias. We are Four Film Fellas on Facebook and Instagram. That's Four Film Fellas. F-O-U-R Film Fellas. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye, everybody. See you, fellas. Bye.